guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks, guys. Now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hi, Melissa. Hey, CJ. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to our first morning episode. Sort of morning. Yeah, it's afternoon-ish, but morning enough in terms of when I woke up. Right. Morning for a Sunday. Um, And I'm actually feeling... I think I have like a two-day hangover going on. So I was hungover all day yesterday because I thought it's still a good idea in my 30s to drink a pitcher of tequila or a pitcher of margaritas that were basically just tequila. Um, And I woke up this morning feeling like crap. And I was like, I think this is literally like a two-day hangover. (laughs) I think that's called being old. It is called being old. God, I used to, like, you used to go to work still drunk, and you were, like, happy about it. You'd be like, yes! And now I can't even look at a drink without having a hangover for five days. Yeah, (sighs) that's pretty brutal. Don't get old, kids. Don't get old. Stay stay young forever. Oh, we didn't introduce the cast. Oh, hi. This is the Sisterhood on the Bottomless Mimosa. Welcome. We are fantastic hosts. (laughs) (laughs) This is our podcast. Hey. Um, Well, so we're not we're not actually drinking wine, but should we do our beverage review? Yeah. So, I mean, for anybody who's listened prior to today's episode, um, you know that we typically drink shitloads of wine and drunk ramble through our podcast but since today's the morning and we're you know cj's suffering from a 14 day hangover and i just woke (laughs) up we've decided to switch it to coffee um and i do still have a little bit of alcohol because you know i'm me so we can do we can do the the coffee the coffee review okay tell me what you're drinking um so i have some Starbucks coffee that I brewed Mm -hmm. in my own kitchen, Mm -hmm. Um, but more importantly is the almond milk Bailey's liqueur Mm. that I have splashed into my Starbucks coffee. That sounds delightful. It is very delightful, but I'm kind of confused because it's like the whole almond part of it. You would think that that would cater to like non-dairy drinking consumers, but like Mm -hmm. regular Bailey's isn't dairy either. Really? Yeah, that shit does not have to be refrigerated. It can sit on your countertop. What's? Oh, do you know what it's what it made? Blah, 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 what it's made of? I think it's like probably like I don't know. Like there's some type of like powdered cream or whatever. Mm, delicious. I think. I have so no how's the idea. almond one? Is it good? The almond one's really good, but it does taste different than the original Bailey's. 
um but i do like it and the bottle is way cuter we all know i only like bottles (laughs) that's why i drink um it's like white and it has all these pretty flowers on it it's very like easter spring-esque so it's really fitting for uh this month um but it's good i'm on my second glass and i'm enjoying it delicious delicious can i confess i'm a bad irish woman i don't drink beer i don't drink whiskey and i don't drink baileys yeah that's that's depressing i've let and i don't eat corned beef so i've just oh my let God. everybody down yeah, what did you I, fucking do for saint patrick's day i know i also don't have sex with sheep so i'm just like this big outsider <laughs> <laughs> God. but you have people. fucked an irish guy um, that is true i thought you were gonna say but you have fucked a sheep i was like <laughs> oh my god absolutely no, not i remember but, that throwback to the berkeley days yeah that was um that was actually my first trip to new orleans i i banged it out with an irish guy but then wasn't there also a Berkeley one? There was. It was the same guy. It was a follow-up, it was a follow-up oh, bang. it was the same guy? Yeah, it was a bang-bang. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it was a really good time. God bless the Irish. I'll say it once. I'll say it a hundred times. Um, all right. I am drinking... I won't name the name of the cafe i got this from because it's pretty shitty coffee but i'm drinking coffee from a very cute looking coffee house near my house that i hadn't been to until today um and it's like the taste is fine but it's super acidic and as i said i'm on a 17 day hangover so (laughs) my body i'm also pregnant with a mediterranean food baby because i eat like 12 pounds of mediterranean food and i hang and i hang over yesterday so um so it's just not really working on my tummy so you're seeing you're you're, i know you're seeing me at such a such a low point in my life um well (laughs) let's just throw it back to episode one which was one of the lowest points in my life the morning after the uh unspeakable wedding scandal unspeakable yeah i was really (laughs) i was really really struggling that first episode but it happens. Should, That's what happens when you record on Sundays on the weekends and yeah. you're dealing with two late 20s idiots. What do you expect? <laughs> That's really nice of you to say that I'm in my late 20s. I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, this actually is the perfect time for me to um, throw out the fuck up I made of last episode. Speaking of um, age. Did you go on? I made a very unfortunate claim in regards to Laverne Cox's age. Okay. One one that I do not think she's upset about. I do okay. not think Laverne Cox is upset that eyes hold the world or all three of our listeners that she is like 32. <laughs> um, but she's actually in her 40s. Okay. 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 That's what I thought. But, but then, then I told I you no. <laughs> yeah, because you told me no and I was drinking, so I believed every word that was coming out of your mouth. <laughs> but again, I don't think Laverne Cox is mad at me for telling everybody that. No, Laverne, so. we know you're listening. We know you're listening, so if this is upsetting for any reason, please let us know. If you want to come join us on the podcast and settle it in person then or remotely <laughs> via FaceTime, just let us know. Thank you. Yeah, let us know. Sorry, Laverne. 
Um, but yeah, that was okay. my big correction from last episode. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, we're we're obviously we're very much professional in all other respects, but sometimes we do make mistakes. So that is the first of what I assume will be many corrections. <laughs> I mean, hey, we made it to episode four before a correction, so that's not that horrible. We'll probably be able to create a whole second podcast about our corrections if we really want to. Yes. So. Yes. Well, should we should we zoo it? Should we zoo it? Let's do it. Um, should I? Am I kicking us off? You're kicking us off, girl. All right. Well, drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for today, I have a very special lady I'd like to. Um, review with all the casters out there who goes by the name of Alicia Napoleon, I don't, who, who is, is otherwise known who is otherwise known as the Empress, who is a world boxing champion who's known for dispelling the myth that muscles are just for men. Her motto is "Strong is the new sexy." Do you remember her? Is she was she in that video with the big old? She was. She was. Yes. Yes. Queen. Yes. And in fact, the reason why I'm doing her is because Facebook stalker told me the other day, "Hey, remember when you posted this video like four years ago?" And it was of her. Oh, and I was like, "Yes, I am doing Alicia Napoleon." Fuck yeah! She's a badass bitch. All I know about her is literally what I saw in that video, so I'm so excited for you to tell me all about this badass bitch. And that video was, like, life. Yes. I mean, neither of us had heard of her prior to that video that we watched, and I will will talk about the video when I I go over her life, and so everybody knows what we're talking about, but... Cool, cool. um, So, yeah, her name is Alicia Napoleon, but her, like, stage boxing name is The Empress... Um, and here's a little bit about her life. So she was born in 1986 in New York City, and she comes from a long line of hardworking, talented, artistic Italian people. Her father was a musically gifted entrepreneur, and her mother was a model. As a child, Alicia fell in love with baseball, but was told at five years old that she couldn't play baseball because she was a girl. In fact... She was told several times throughout her childhood that she couldn't do things because she was a girl, and all of the sports she was interested in were meant for boys. Uh, Regardless, in her youth, Alicia went on to play basketball, karate, and do wrestling. She was the second girl to join the wrestling team, and she joined because she overheard the coach talking about the first girl that had joined and how girls shouldn't be on the team. God, uh she joined anyway, specifically, yes! specifically because she overheard him talking shit. Uh, so she was like, oh, girls can't join? Well, watch me. Uh, yes. And so she did. Um, so there were two girls now on the wrestling team, and the boys didn't take them serious at all and often made fun of them until one day Alicia wrestled a boy, beat him, and then he cried. <laughs> And all the other boys on the team begged to get her kicked off. Oh, my God. (laughs) She also recalls a time when she was wrestling a boy that tried to pull her sports bra down. 
she got up, kicked him in the stomach as hard as she could, <laughs> just started beating the full-blown crap out of him. <laughs> And as an adult, as she's, like, retelling this story, she says, quote, forget wrestling. I will take this shit to the streets. I will mess you up. Respect me. Yes! Yes, Empress. Bow down. And that's basically what she did at that time when she was probably in, like, elementary school. He snapped her sports bra or something, and she just beat the living shit out of him. Okay, when I finally realized my dream of launching an all-female army, she's 100p going to be the general. Yes, she is. 100%. So she ended up winning almost all of her wrestling matches, and she'd often have fathers come up to her after the competitions telling her, I have my daughters watch you, like, you're great. Like, basically, like, I bring my daughters to these competitions so they can see you wrestle all these boys and win. And she said that gave her so much confidence, and she ended up sticking up for herself so much more after all of these dads, you know helped boost that confidence in her um during grade school alicia received constant criticism from her classmates who said her legs were too big they called her thunder thighs and they gave her the nickname big al this (laughs) despite the constant criticism alicia persevered and was the only girl or girl or boy on the baseball team to hit home runs not a single boy on the team ever measured up to her baseball skills in her words she was a girly tomboy that was naturally muscular as a kid she was always solid even as a little girl she recalls many times being on the playground crying by herself because she was 120 pounds in fourth grade but all solid muscle yeah she wasn't a fat kid she was just a strong kid and she recalls never being one of the girls in schools that the guys were interested in dating she was always just the friend she considered herself to be more womanly at the time and the boys didn't like curves and they didn't like big legs but without that adversity she wouldn't be as strong as she is today which it's funny because it's like we're talking about little kids but like even adult men are still intimidated by like womanly bodies yeah where it's like why don't you want this woman body like you're a man (laughs) and you're you claim to be attracted to women yet you're like so intimidated by my tits ass and hips right right like what's the deal right right so annoying it's also for her i mean people listening at home definitely google her she's as you said her mom's a model she's fucking gorgeous yeah she is absolutely this woman is what i think she is actually 32 years old she is beautiful yeah she is absolutely ripped but yeah she has a muscular body but she is so 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 feminine and so girly right and so it's just like just fucking haters dude i swear and i'll I'll get into this more um later but it really it really boils like the way men or even women respond to her physical appearance in a negative way Mm -hmm. is entirely due to the societal creation of these like frail small delicate female bodies being appealing Ugh, fuck i wish i had baileys now god damn it (laughs) angry and i want to drink again (laughs) Uh, all right well let me go on because we'll get into that whole 
female image later on. Um, So Alicia was introduced to boxing in her late teens, and she began training at 18 years old. She attended her first competition two years later at 20. She was an immediate hit. Her, during her amateur boxing career, she was laced with notable honors, including a 22-5 to 5 record, 11 amateur titles, two New York Golden Gloves, one National Golden Glove, two National Bronze Medals, three Metro Belts, one Empire State Game, one Platinum Glove, and one NYABC Belt. Okay. Which I'm assuming are all awards. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually just accessories. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing those were all things she won after just dominating the fucking boxing world. <laughs> so after she like killed the game in her amateur career, she ended up going professional in 2014 after a successful nine-year amateur career. Um, she has a perfect professional record. Seven to zero with five wins by knockout and is currently the WBC silverweight champion of the world. She is currently number one in the United States and number four in the world, making her way to number one as she continues to dominate and win while remaining undefeated. She... (laughs) She trains at least twice a day, anywhere between four to six hours per session. Oh, and she's she's quoted to say, I do anything that's going to make me cry at the end of, an, of the session. And then she giggles hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Wait. like, I watched this on an interview. That was something that she said on a video that I watched. And I saw her laugh hysterically after she said that. <laughs> Girl, go all the way. Here's what... I don't know if you have answers to this. I don't know shit about boxing. So she has... Set, she's 7-0 to zero undefeated. How I mean, like, how often are you matching with people? Um, not very often because they train for so long and then they can only be matched with people in their weight range. Right. So a lot of times, which I only know this because I go to the UFC gym myself and I've gone to some of my trainers' matches, they have to make weight. So they could be training for a, a match for, like, five months and coming up to the day of the match if they aren't within this specific weight range like they didn't make weight it's canceled like you are not allowed to fight that person if you aren't in the weight that's required for the match oh shit so there's a there's always a chance that that can happen okay that's why they're either like binge eating like a mofo prior to the match or they're like starving themselves while they're having to like but then the other problem with that is that you're working out so much and you're gaining muscle and that's weight right so there's this like you know a game to it right where somehow you're supposed to remain physically fit but you can't go up and down in fluctuating weight So it is, there's a whole strategy behind these matches. And then the other thing is, um, so in her amateur career, she probably had tons of matches because it was amateur, but in professional, they're getting paid a fuckload of money Mm -hmm. to box other women. And a lot of times those need to be sponsored, but if they aren't sponsored, where's the money coming from and who's paying for this match to take place? Mm -hmm. So there's like all kinds of other elements to when and how these matches occur and she only what became professional 2014 so that's four years wow so seven and four years maybe 
Right. Right. As, uh, to my very limited knowledge, that might be where she's currently at. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she laughs hysterically while she describes um, all her training sessions include her <laughs> making sure she cries at the end of the day. Um, Alicia is also one of the top ticket sellers in New York, having sold out every fighter on every New York card. Um, but in addition to boxing, Alicia is a painter who has been featured in Gallery 212 in Miami. <sighs> She's developed a dual personality. On one hand, she has a passion for aggressive contact competition, and on the other hand, she has a love for romance and art. She is known in the boxing world for her nickname, The Empress, but she's a renaissance woman at heart. She uses her hands not only to destroy her opponents, but to create immaculate paintings. As if that's not enough, Alicia also runs a full-time business in New York. She's founded a Manhattan-based gym that mixes fashion and fitness. It's called the Overthrow Boxing Gym, which is a hit place to stay fit for boxers of all ages. Alicia not only fights for boxing titles, but she also fights for women's rights in the boxing world. She's smart, talented woman dedicated to equal opportunity and the empowerment of women. She has quoted to say she's breaking down doors in terms of equal pay as she's turned on several promotional contracts early in her pro career until finally being offered the deal that she deserved uh, signing with Lou DiBella. Uh, I'm assuming that she was offered tons of different um contracts but no one was giving her the money that she felt she needed so she was turning them down just like fuck you i'm not going to take your half-assed your half-assed contract deal uh and then in an interview about the subject of women in boxing she's quoted to have said women cannot make a living off of boxing and that's because we have to get these people in the sport of boxing behind the scenes in the networks the promoters hbo showtime whoever it is that makes the decision to put women on and pay them the certain amount that they pay we need to change their mentality because women are just as much of professional athletes as men and we deserve equal opportunity we deserve equal spotlight we are sacrificing just as much as these men if not more and it's not fair that they're not giving us that they're starting to a little bit in boxing just a little bit but there needs to be more it just needs change enough is enough yes god so i think that is another thing that can happen too like say these two women are like we're gonna fight each other what are you guys gonna pay us and they're like nothing (laughs) and then the girls are probably like well fuck you then we're not doing it yeah yeah, so i think there's a lot of like nitty-gritty behind the scenes in the women's boxing world for sure yeah because you know like they have all these ufc matches on like hbo or showtime and people pay like a thousand dollars to watch it i just threw that number out it couldn't probably isn't nearly that much but a ton of money to host it at their house and all their friends come over you go to a bar and it costs 20 bucks just to get in the bar to watch it and these fighters are getting paid like millions of dollars and they're always men yeah it's always two guys and they do have women out there that will usually you know do matches as well but i doubt that the money is nowhere near a million dollars right right 
So over the past couple of years, Alicia has partnered with quite a few women's media brands, such as Allure and Elle, to showcase how women can be both strong and feminine at the same time. She talks a lot about being a woman in a male-dominated sport and how hard it is to gain equal recognition for her talents and her success. So this brings us to the film that you and I both saw on Facebook um, and to how I ended up deciding to to feature her today but it was a it was basically a video interview that allure put together Mm. um focused on you know asking alicia a little bit about her life and how she got into boxing as well as her image and how her self-esteem has been influenced by you know what the media says about her masculine body and so the whole point of the the interview is what i had mentioned earlier about her it's supposed to dispel the myth that muscles are just for men um so it starts off with her recalling a memory from her childhood in which she says quote my grandfather a very 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 old school new york italian no filter whatsoever would tell me all the time how beautiful i was i had beautiful black hair i had a nice figure from the waist up but forget it your legs down they're too big your legs are too big And she goes on to say, a part of me still said, I don't care. I like it. This is who I am. She then goes into talking about how a lot of different celebrities or models that have absolutely zero athletic background whatsoever are representing major athletic lines. And how to her, that's a complete insult. She says, quote, I'm a professional fighter. I'm a world champion. I'm a female boxer. And I still have to struggle to get this recognition to get what I deserve. Which, like, I can fucking argue against that, too. It's like, I'm over here looking to buy, like, a pair of sports bras or yoga pants for my workout. And, the, mm-hmm. like, there's all these anorexic women featuring it in the right. magazines or on the right. commercials or, like, wherever. And it's just like, that lady's never done a fucking push-up in her life. <laughs> Are you right. serious? Right. Like, She's- why am I being sold something from somebody who has no clue what it even is? Right. I totally And it's agree. like, we have all these professional athletes that aren't wearing those lines and they aren't selling those lines when that is their entire life right 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 what is that (laughs) capitalism it's fucking like it doesn't even make logical sense yeah it pisses me off and i'm not even a world champion boxer like that makes me mad yeah it should it's so annoying right um right so she's, she talks a little bit about that, and then she goes into saying, um, some girls are intimidated. They don't want to get too involved in the sport because they don't want to look muscular or masculine. You shouldn't be fearful of making your body strong. It's a beautiful thing. That's what we were meant to do. You're going to build up your body, but it's a womanly body. It's not a man's body. So how is it going to look masculine? Mm-hmm. You'll look strong. That pisses me off. It's like I've got to wash that brain. I've got to slap the society out of you. <laughs> I love that line. Girl, right? I've got to slap the society out of you. So then they ask her this question, like, Alicia, what is the most beautiful you've ever... What Or, like, at what time in your life have you felt the most beautiful? And she says, and this is how the interview ends, I always feel beautiful inside and out. I've never had a moment where I felt the most beautiful. I just feel beautiful all the time. I'm at a place where I accept who I am and I love who I am, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Fiery! Yes! Right? Yes! I love that idea, too, from that Allure video of her talking about, like, 
it's a womanly, like, it's a woman's body. Like, you are a woman and you have a body. Like, how can you say if a body is masculine or feminine? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just, like, like, because I go through the same thing. I have, like, a very athletic, well, I, like, I don't train like an athlete. But I have, like, an athletic build with, like, the broader shoulders. And it's, like, a lot of the times in my life I think I've been made fun of and have felt self-conscious about that being a more masculine build. But it's, like, but I'm a woman. So yeah. how is that, like, what does that even mean? Is it a masculine build if a woman has it? Like, those well, words it's are just, just so random. There's just this idea that muscles are men right that like women are supposed to be these dainty sweet you know um subtle housewives or even just in secretarial jobs or just like not doing a lot of heavy labor whether it's in career or in their personal life but like i mean i do think it's starting to normalize a lot more with like things like such as like crossfit or, like, all these, like, Tough mutter runs. Yeah. Like, a lot of different things that women are interested in that are probably strange for women to be doing. All this weightlifting or, like, fucking dashing under barbed wire through mud. <laughs> right. Like, shit like that. So it is starting to get more normal. But, like, still, when you see those things, you are not seeing Alicia Napoleon's body. Right, totally. Her body is on a whole different level than, like, the woman that does a Tough Mudder once a year. Right, for sure. And so, you know, while it is becoming more normal, it's, I mean, Alicia blows it out of the park. And so, I don't know. I, I think she's, I mean, I hope that she continues to be shown in the media so that she can continue to dispel that myth. Well, even just think about Madonna and her arms. Which yeah. have, like, some definition. Like, it's not like she's a freaking bodybuilder. She's just got, like, strong arms. Yeah. But, oh, my God, people went batshit when those things came out. They're like, oh, my God, fucking Madonna. Like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, myself, even, I've made jokes about wanting Madonna arms and stuff like that. But it's just, like, it's not even, like, yeah, girl, she's at the gym. And like, we talk about it like it's this obscene thing. It's not. Yeah. We're just such a pathetic society. It's like, <laughs> find fucking something else to talk about. Right. We need the society slapped out of us, girl. We do. Um, so in a different galore interview, um, this woman asks her, many women worry about being too intimidating to men. Why do you think that this mindset is bullshit? And her response is, you shouldn't worry about what a man thinks or anyone else for that matter and revolve your life around it. If you like boxing and you want to use it as a form of fitness, then the right man is going to think you're cool and sexy and maybe want to join in on a session or watch you do it. If women stay true to themselves and do the things in life that make them happy and healthy and not worry about what people think, they will grow into a strong, confident woman and help inspire or influence other women to do the same. Strong strong is the new sexy. When you do something different, positive, and fun, and not worry about what the world will think, you will have a natural sexiness about you that no one could deny. So stop the bullshit and don't be scared to be yourself. Be intimidating if you need to be. If you scare off a man, he wasn't a man to begin with, or at least not the man for you. Oh, God. Which I can, like, not relate to anything more because when I started boxing two years ago, I was in a relationship with somebody and I told him one day, like, hey, I'm going to join the boxing gym. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm going to go take this free class 
at this time on this day like do you want to come like they always offer like a free try it out once type of thing Mm -hmm. and I asked him like hey do you want to come with me we'll try out this boxing class it'll be like a fun thing for us to do on a Saturday at one o'clock whatever he like made up this whole elaborate reason as to why he couldn't come and all these things he had to do and this that and the other and I was like okay whatever and then when it came up to the day and I was like getting ready to leave the house uh, he was like what are you doing and I'm like oh I'm getting ready to like head out what are you doing he's like oh probably nothing I'm just gonna go home and work on some photography and I'm like I thought you had to like pick up somebody from the airport and then take him here and then do that and blah 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 blah. and he's like huh and I'm like that's what you had told me as to why you couldn't come to this boxing class with me and he was like oh like like all like called out and really the truth was that like one he just he wasn't interested which is fine but I think he didn't want to tell me that and I think he was really turned off by me wanting to go do boxing and I think he thought that if he didn't participate I wouldn't participate but Mm. I still did that's right and that was one of the first days that I realized that I hated his fucking guts. <laughs> You're like, and then we dated for five more years. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I broke up with him a few weeks after that. Good. Because I joined the gym in June 2016, and I dumped him, like, on Father's Day, which was in June also. <laughs> You're like, in honor of my father, I have decided to dump your ass. (laughs) But yeah, I remember being like so annoyed with his response to me wanting to be into like a boxing fitness thing and he was so turned off by it and he wasn't supportive and he didn't even want to go do the free class or like even just come with me to watch and he had to make a big old fucking lie about it and then I caught him in the line and it's just like, you're such a bitch. (laughs) Baby back bitch. Baby back bitch. So Yeah. (laughs) That was a, that was a, a, I don't know, just both those two interviews are just show, like, how awesome this woman is and how confident she is and, you know, I just hope that they continue to interview her and get her voice out there because this is the type of stuff that women need to see and hear. Right. I, that's what I was going to say. I love that she's leading not only by example, but also making it a point to kind of, like, take the the gospel out there. Yeah. And let other girls know, like, fuck that. You don't have to, you know, live your life. Live your life. Um, And so just to, like, end a little bit on Alicia, there are a couple of quotes that I really love that she's been noted to have said in her lifetime so far. So the first one is, if I could wear makeup in my fight, I totally would. I love to put some red on my lips, and I love to put some contour on my cheekbones. And I don't know, it's just so much fun. Beauty is so much fun. <laughs> Beauty is so much fun. She, like, I wants to her. go out into the ring with red lipstick and contour on her face. I love her. Let her do it. Let her They don't. Her they don't let her do it. But That's isn't that dumb. funny? That is hilarious. Um, and then another quote she says is, a lot of people think that oh, if you like those feminine things, you can't fight. But that's not true. Some girls will whoop your ass and then walk down the street and they are beautiful. (laughs) Another quote, the biggest fight in that ring is always fighting yourself. It's not the person in front of you. Anything that I was fearful of or failing, I had to do it until I accomplished it. Fear, if you let it, it will control you. And I don't like that feeling. Uh, That's a good one. 
And then the last quote that I really love by her is, I don't believe in losses. I believe in lessons. Cute. All right. All right, Empress. Give me so much life. I know. I love her. So anybody, if you've never heard of Alicia Napoleon, literally hit the Google search right now and just see this woman because she's beautiful she's muscular she's powerful she's confident she has all the qualities that all women should try and be she's sassy she's sassy sassy. as fuck and she has this like super thick italian accent Uh, it's so good it's so good it's so good um yeah so that's her that's my lady today i want to guess her sign oh my god yeah okay so she is a cusp um but yeah, guess your sign. I have two I want to guess. One is fire, one is air. Okay. Do you need hints? She's not fire. Is she Gemini? No. A but Libra. she is... Sh- no. So she... Is she... Is she, <laughs> is she an air sign? Yeah. She's an Aquarius? She is a Capricorn Aquarius cusp. When's her birthday? January 26th. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, okay. That is so not at all what I would have ever guessed. You know, honestly, that it's funny because it wasn't surprising to me, partly because of the fact that I've dated an Aquarius. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. It was the worst, absolute worst time of my entire life. He's the bane of my existence. He destroyed all my happiness and uh, (laughs) spirit. But I met him at the boxing gym and he was, he boxed. And he was aggressive and he was violent, which I think was due to him being an alcoholic sociopath. But he did have those qualities. But on top of that, he was into the arts. Like, he always wanted to, like, go to concerts or go to museums, read books. Like, he had all these other, like, artistic, sensitive qualities to him that Mm. really, like, clashed with the aggressive, angry qualities he had. And so when I saw that, I'm like, well, fuck. I mean, she's kind of the same way, but I don't think she's an abusive, horrible human being. I think I she. I hope not. No, I know it didn't appear that way. She could crush a man's skull with those thighs, though. She could fuck you up. <laughs> so I just wouldn't try it with her. Obviously. I wouldn't try it with her either. But yeah, I mean, she does have a history of beating the shit out of dudes. But they totally, she does. they totally deserved it, though. They deserved it. <laughs> so yeah, she is. Wow, how interesting. Right? So you would have to wonder, like, she must have something, more things in her chart. It's gotta have more fire in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say definitely. What what fire sign were you gonna guess? Sagittarius. Okay. I think, I was thinking, and I was actually leaning more towards that, and I was thinking Gemini or Sagittarius, because she just doesn't give a fuck. And yeah. I feel like those are the two signs that give the least amount of fucks. So. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's your girl. I like her. I like her. I like her. Thank you. Um, I also love that it was like this weird, We, it's almost like a mushroom trip full circle where like I sent you that video four years ago. Right? And now we're on a podcast and you just told me all about her. And Isn't great. that cool? I love it, dude. It's tubular. <laughs> um, all right. 
Are we ready for my lady? We're ready. Girl, I have to say something and I want to listen. I want to listen. I want to lay this before the listeners and they can give us feedback. So I had selected a totally different person up until literally last night because, and I'll tell, and I'll say who it was. I was going to do my episode on Winnie Mandela. So she was Nelson Mandela's second wife. She was the one he was married to the entire length of time that he was in prison. And she just recently died like last week. Um, But when I started researching her, because everybody was posting these things like rest in power, like civil rights leader, you know, she sounded like a great person. And so I look her up. And, like, and certainly in many ways, she did some really amazing things in her life, but she is complicated as fuck. Like, did some really dark, nasty things. So, anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up, I decided not to do her because I didn't want to, like, bring us all down. But yeah. I did want to raise for the listeners, and I've raised this idea to Melissa before, if you, if this would be something that's interesting, like, every so often us doing an episode on like what I call villainesses. So very complicated women like that who like, I, we don't necessarily need to do like women who've been convicted of murder, but you know, people who are just more complicated and who have a really bad reputation. Like Yoko Ono would have probably been a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, So if that's something y'all would find interesting, let us know via social meds or through a review i don't know email (laughs) email email us oh yeah i forgot we have an email address yes what is it again mimosa sisterhood yeah mimosa sisterhood at gmail.com i have like eight emails and i can't remember any of them (laughs) um so anyway chose not to do her chose someone entirely different not at all related um and she was really low-hanging fruit for me because she is one of my all-time favorite people and absolutely my biggest fashion icon miss stevie nicks oh oh my god i love her the white witch i love her and the supreme the everlasting supreme of my coven you know she's not even on my list and i don't know how i missed that snagged good no you you snagger you're probably better you're more equipped to cover stevie than me i i did think about you a lot though as i was researching her and i i think you will enjoy the story very much so there is so much i could say about her so it's one of those things where i just had to like do highlights because we could literally talk for five hours about this woman's life and career. Um, but we'll go over the basics. So Stevie Nicks was born in 1948 in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, to a businessman and a homemaker. Her grandfather was a struggling country singer. So at the age of four, he was teaching her how to sing duets and just kind of how to sing, as a professional so we're going to go ahead and give him some credit for not only getting her into music but also that more kind of folky influence that she has throughout her whole career um so her family moves all over the western united states because of her dad's job they're in arizona they're in new mexico they're in california she ends up kind of hanging out in california for several years in high school she gets her first guitar at 16 and she joins her first band called changing times while in high school in arcadia california her senior year of high school she meets lindsey buckingham 
who ends up being a romantic partner of hers for several years, a musical partner of hers, I think perhaps even till this day. Um, Like they, to this day, are still in each other's lives. They're muses for one another. And that's kind of crazy when you think about how young they were when they met. How old was she again? She was like, this was her junior or senior year. So probably 17 or 18. Yeah. Wow. And she's now 69. And they're still, which is wild. Like, I don't even talk to people I went to high school with. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) Me either. Um, And I think it also speaks to how, like, just intense that bond is. But anyway, so they meet and they sing together, like, once. But they don't see each other again for a couple of years until he calls her one day uh, he has a band, a psychedelic rock band called Fritz, and a couple of their players are leaving. So he asked her to join. Um, and they they do get some success. Like, they open for Hendrix. They open for Joplin. Like, they're out doing the thing. Um, her and him at some point become lovers. And they actually, like, I thought this was wild. They're actually going to college while they're doing this. Like, while they went they're... to college? They went to San Jose State University. What? Yes, queen. That's really shocking to me. It's really shocking to me, too. And here's another thing. So she's majoring in communications. And and this is according to Wikipedia. And it said that she had planned to teach English. So even as they're in it, like, they're they're still this, all this to say, they're still these just, like, kids with a rock band. They might be opening for big names, but they're still, like, going forward on plan Bs. They're like, I'm going to graduate college and become an English teacher, but... Like all badass women do, she drops out of college one semester before she graduates. (laughs) All badass women, including ourselves. (laughs) Uh, We did at least finish school, but I dropped out three times. Three times? I don't know. I I lost count. Um, So Fritz ends up disbanding in 1972, and her and Lindsay Buckingham go off on their own and become a duo and they record like as they're working during the day they record demo tapes at night in their little apartment in daily city um which i thought was really cute i know i was like oh something good actually has come out of daily city (laughs) it's not just and you know what else it's so fun like hearing about famous people's or not even just famous people's but people that you admire and hearing about their lives and how we've crossed the same paths before just even mentioning daily city is Mm -hmm. like brings back like eight years of my life i know it's so crazy okay keep going and way too many rides on bart for me personally yeah but um so he's writing music and recovering from some illness. And she's sort of supporting them through odd jobs. She's waiting tables. She's cleaning houses. So they're like in their early 20s, mid-20s at this point. Um, and then they end up, one way or another, linking up with a couple of producers. So Keith Olsen and Richard Dashett, who I'm saying his name right, um, who will end up doing pr- production for them for several, several years. End up working with Fleetwood Mac, yada, yada, yada. Um and they actually move in with Richard Dashett in 1972. At some point in the early 70s, Buckingham gets a gig playing guitar with the Everly Brothers. And so he goes off and tours with them while Stevie stays behind and she's just like writing songs. And actually during this period, she writes both Rhiannon and Landslide, which are two of like the biggest fucking hits ever. Yeah. Um, 
So that's what she was up to in, like, her mid-20s. Hey, girl. Um, And we will, before the end of this episode, I'm going to talk about the inspiration for some of her songs. And we're going to go into the inspiration for Landslide. Because there's a lot of speculation. I've heard rumors. Yeah. About Landslide. There's so much speculation. So we're going to, we'll get into that towards the end of this. Okay. So Nixon Buckingham joined Fleetwood Mac in 1975. Um, so basically, the producer that they're friends with, Keith Olsen, he plays some of uh, Buckingham's guitar work for Mick, for Mick Fleetwood. And then they're like, oh, hey, that was great. Our guitarist is leaving. Will you join? And I got to say, boo, to Buckingham's credit, he's like, yeah, I'll join. But Stevie and I are a package deal. So she has to join, too. Which I just love that, like, commitment as creative partners. Yes. That he's like, yeah, absolutely, but she's, like, we are a team. We are not separate. Way to go, Lindsay. Fucking love that. Great work, Buckingham. So they released Fleetwood Mac, like, a self-titled album in 1975. It's a fucking immediate hit. Rhiannon is on there. Rhiannon becomes one of the biggest rock hits of all time. Uh, That same year, and then they're kind of off to the races at that point. Like, it's on, like, Donkey Kong. That same year, uh, Stevie, this is very important to note for me, she starts working with a a costume designer or clothing designer, Margie Kent, who is really instrumental in helping her to develop that, what we now know as Stevie Nicks signature kind Mm -hmm. of flowy skirts and shawls and gossip The bell witch arms. Yes, bitch, yes. Um, and she actually, I read something else as well, that she was actually inspired by, she was playing some show and there was an outfit someone in the audience was wearing that was like just tons of frilly chiffon. And she was like, ah, that's what I want. Like, that's my aesthetic. So she straight oh, wow. up, yeah, she straight up stole that from a fan in the audience. She was like, thanks girl. <laughs> Um, and then millions of women, myself included, have since stolen it mm-hmm. because of Stevie Nicks. Uh, very, my number one, number one fashion inspiration is Stevie Nicks, you guys. Uh, anyway, so also in 1975, tensions start to develop between her and Buckingham because I think just because so much is going on they're successful now they're part of this really successful band but like they're also both becoming really famous but they're also like both in love blah 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 and ultimately Stevie Nicks decides to end their romantic relationship Uh, but they stay together in Fleetwood Mac obviously for many many more years and actually Nick's so they've written a lot of songs about one another and I I mean like I that's a whole other podcast we could talk about but she wrote the song Silver Springs about Buckingham like immediately following that split and he wrote Go Your Own Way about her do you know do you know the song Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac no but I know Go Your Own Way so this is gonna be this song is like a thing in her story and I love it because it's one of my very favorite songs it's more slow it's a little bit sadder it's got some really beautiful acoustic guitar you should definitely listen to it after this podcast wait what is the title again silver springs okay i could be a silver spring okay i'm not a singer but uh so she writes this song and it keeps not like they won't put it on an album like there was i forget what album i didn't write it down but on the album she wanted to go on they decided not to do it because there were already too many slow songs on the album and so it's like this beautiful song that means a lot to her personally and it's just kind of like sitting in a vault and i'm bringing that up because when we get further in her story it'll come up again and it'll be like 
It's basically the reason she leaves Fleetwood back is this Okay, song. wait, I have a question, mm-hmm. which maybe this is coming or maybe you don't know, but didn't she have beef with the other chick in Fleetwood? So I, I do not cover that because I don't okay. actually, I didn't read on that. But okay. what, I don't even know. Tell me everything. Do you well, know I don't know everything, but just based off of like random things that I'm recalling from who knows where they came from, I had thought that she, so I think the other woman in Fleetwood's name is Sarah. And I, I feel like there was some uh, mutual beef where maybe Buckingham dated Sarah after Stevie. I think it's Christine McVie is her name. Oh, where that's what I have written Sarah down. from. Well, that's a well. Her Stevie Nicks best friend's name was Sarah, and she wrote a, a song named Sarah. Hmm. I mean, I would imagine there's beef. I don't know. I don't get into it. We could do a follow up next week on it because okay. I don't. Because I've heard rumors, too, but it didn't come up, like, anywhere significantly in in the many Wikipedia pages I was looking at and the one Rolling right. Stones article I read. Um, so this is, we're mid-70s now. Nix and Buckingham have split romantically, but they're still in Fleetwood Mac, and shit is going great. Um, in 1977, Stevie Nicks starts an affair with Mick Fleetwood, the original founder of the band, who is married with kids at the time of their affair. Um, They end up deciding to end it because in late 1978, McFleetwood leaves his wife for Stevie Nicks' best friend, Sarah, Sarah Ricor, if I'm saying her name correctly. So maybe I'm, that's what I, maybe, maybe like I tied all that drama in and thought it was the other girl in the band. Maybe, perhaps. Okay. Perhaps you did. And like I said, I'm going to talk about some of the inspirations for some of her songs at the end. And we're going to talk about the song Sarah. Because when I saw that name, I was like, I wonder if that's who she wrote that song about. We'll get to it. So Fleetwood Mac releases two more albums. And Nix and some other folks found a record label called Modern Records so that she can record and release all of her backlog of material. Because even though they joined Fleetwood Mac in 1975, she's been writing songs like all day, every day since the early seventies. So she's kind of almost like Prince in this way. She's just constantly, constantly, constantly writing songs. And she's got all of these songs that just aren't going to make it through Fleetwood Mac. So she's like, fuck it. I'll have this parallel solo career. Um, so her first solo album, Belladonna is released in 1981 to wide critical and commercial acclaim. It hits the top of the billboard charts. However, the day that it reaches number one on the billboard, she finds out that her one of her very best friends, Robin Anderson, who is also pregnant, has leukemia. Ooh. Um, and so her friend has this baby and then very quickly thereafter dies in 1982. And Nix marries her first and only husband, which is the widower of her best friend, Ooh. Because, and as she talks about it in later interviews, she was like, we were just completely deranged with grief and we didn't know what to do. And my best friend just had a baby and now this baby doesn't have a mom. And like, we just thought that's what we should do. Um, But that obviously was not a good idea. And eight months later, they divorce. And she has never been married since, although she's been with many, 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 many people. Um, But this kid who her friend left behind when she died stevie nicks like support like put him through college like support like she supported him pretty much like through his whole life in because his mom was gone yeah so um and stevie nicks herself doesn't have any children 
So that was like interesting. Yeah, we'll get into we'll get into that as well. Um, so basically, you know, I'm not going to go into every single album or tour she's done because there's been so many. But she basically, like through the 80s and 90s, she has these parallel careers of being in Fleetwood Mac and being um, her own her own artist. Now, I didn't really mention this yet, uh, and this is pretty well known about Stevie Nicks. But in the early 70s, it's San Francisco or Daly City, close enough, uh, and she starts using cocaine and it's something that she does very regularly throughout her career um and then in 1986 she starts touring for her solo album rock a little um and prior to the tour she goes to see a plastic surgeon to like talk to him about getting a nose job and he basically in so many words words was like girl you need to stop snorting cocaine like you gonna you gonna kill yourself like, like one of those deviated septum nose jobs I, yeah i don't really know um Ugh. it doesn't i don't think she ever ended up getting one because then i got really intrigued and looked up old photos of her and new photos of her and looks like, the same yeah it looks pretty much the same um but he I, so i don't know what it was i don't know if it was because he looked in her nose or if he was like i'm not putting you in under anesthesia when your like heart is barely functioning because of all the cocaine you're pumping in your body i don't know um so at any rate at the end of that tour she checks herself into rehab the betty ford center super glamorous um (laughs) everyone is everyone goes there but then so she stays off the coke as far as i could tell but then she ends up just replacing it with clonopin Oh. And for like years and years, she's just constantly doped up on clonopin. And she, I don't know how long exactly, but I was reading a Rolling Stones interview with her and she, she really talks about those years. Like they were the dark ages of her life. Isn't that the drug that like every single housewife was prescribed during like the forties? Yeah. Yeah. It's a benzodiazepine, I believe. And I don't take clonopin, but I take something similar sometimes for insomnia. And like you take that to sleep. So just Klonopin being high. is meant for sleep? Well, it calms your brain. It like, br- it, it brings, it's not an, arco- it's, um, I can't talk, sorry. It's not like a tranquilizer. I mean, it is basically a tranquilizer. It just brings you, it brings you down so your brain will shut off to go to sleep. Okay. Um, so that idea of like using it while staying conscious, I'm like, God, you'd be so dope. I mean, you'd just be so loopy and doped up all the time. Yeah. Um, and she actually like blames her doctor. Like she the way she tells the story he was basically like creating an addiction and he kept kicking up her dose and kept telling her to take more and telling her to take more and it was the way she describes it it was kind of like this really fucking weird masochistic (gasps) thing and then in the interview of hers that i read she was like he's the one person i would say that i hate Oh, God. So, yeah. So, I don't know exactly. I didn't write down exactly when she gets off the clonopin, but she does eventually. I think it was sometime you, in the 90s. You have to wonder, sorry to go off uh, the rail here, but, like, with, with so many celebrities and musicians that have, like, especially recently in the past year, died due to prescribed drugs, you have to wonder if, like, the doctors that they're seeing get into some weird headspace where they... Yeah. They like that they're connected to this celebrity, and so they keep them around. Well, you know what I was thinking? Similarly, when I when I was reading that, I was like, God, you have to be a certain kind of person to want to be a celebrity doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is that to even begin with? Like, I feel like that there's some... You want to be close to something or also just like here's this big powerful artistic famous rich person but you in a sense have a control of a part of them 
Right. Totally. Like, which, like, which you might be the only person in the world that has that control. Right. Absolutely. Ugh, it's so like, scary. psychopathic power trip shit. Yeah. 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 Um, oh I mean, didn't after, didn't, I think it was determined, somebody correct us, that Michael Jackson was, like, deliberately killed by his doctor. Yeah, that they're, I mean, I think that guy's in jail. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was convicted. Ugh. Yeah. Fucking weird. Um... Anyway, moving on. So she's on that shit for a hot minute. But she's still recording. She's still getting her life. Uh, In 1987, so she's still in Fleetwood Mac at this point. In 1987, Lindsay Buckingham leaves Fleetwood Mac. Just, it's just, they've been together for 15 years and shit is going down. And, uh, or 12 years. And he and her apparently get into like a fucking fight. Like a, like a fist fight about it. (laughs) Him and Stevie, like, go to blows? The actual quote was like a violent confrontation or something like oh, that. Oh shit. Um cuz she I for whatever reason she was like mad at him for leaving. Oh. Yeah. So, I was like I could get into the weeds on this, but I'm not going to. Um but then in 1990, as I was alluding to earlier, she also leaves Fleetwood because Mick Fleetwood won't let her release that Silver Spring song on her solo album. She wants to like she wants to get this goddamn song out. It's been sitting there for like 12 years and he's like, "Nope, I want to save it for our um box set that we're going to release for Fleetwood Mac cuz it's going to be a big fucking hit and it's a never never been heard track and you can go fuck yourself." And she's like, "Well, you just lost the best member of your band, fool." And then she left. Oh god. I imagine it went something like that. Um, but she ends up reuniting with them. It wasn't even clear to me, to be honest, where I think it was in the early 2000s. She ends up like reuniting and doing a, another album with them and has since done albums with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like for the next, uh, I mean, I could keep going on and on about all her, like the things she's done, but I'll just sum it up quickly. And then I want to talk about some of like the cool, weird stuff. So all told, she has released eight solo albums. She released one album with just her and Lindsay Buckingham called Nixon Buckingham. Um, she released eight albums with Fleetwood Mac. She's been nominated for 15 Grammys, but has only won one via Fleetwood Mac, which pissed me off. Um, and she also has a Grammy as part of Fleetwood Mac. There's like a Grammy Hall of Fame award, I guess. And they have that as well. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about like some cool, weird things and some of her lovers and also just a little sampling of the meaning of some of her songs. Cause it was okay. really fun for me to find out. Okay. So let's start with landslide because that's the one a lot of the times, you know, everybody talks about it being about her dad. Cause there's definitely recordings of her being like, this is for you daddy. And then she starts singing it. But what I want to hear what you, what the rumors, you know, are. Well, before. I've heard the dad rumor, but the mm-hmm. rumor that I heard that, I believe to be true was in regards to her cocaine addiction. Oh, tell me more. Well, that landslide was like written about her becoming addicted to cocaine and like what a landslide that was in her life type of a thing. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to read this quote from her. Um, and I don't remember where it's from. Sorry, everybody, but it's a quote from Stevie Nicks. I realized 
that everything could tumble. She was in Colorado. And when you're in Colorado and you're surrounded by these incredible mountains, you think avalanche. It meant the whole world could tumble around us and the landslide would bring you down. Everybody seems to think that I wrote this song about them. (laughs) And my dad, my dad did have something to do with it, but he absolutely thinks that he was the whole complete reason it was ever written, (laughs) which I was like, damn, that's shady. (laughs) Um, I guess it was about September 1974. I was home at my dad and mom's house in Phoenix. And my father said, you know, I think that maybe you really put a lot of time into this, this being her singing career. And he said, maybe you should give us six more months. And if you want to go back to school, we'll pay for it. Lindsay and I went up to Aspen and we went to somebody's incredible house and they had a piano and I had my guitar with me and I went into their living room looking out over the incredible Aspen Skyway and I wrote Landslide and three months later Mick Fleetwood called us. Um, So so it's it's literally about fucking being in the snow Aspen Landslide (laughs) environment. I think it, it was inspired by that and I think it was to some extent a metaphor for all I don't know the way that I read that quote was like she didn't know where this career was going like they did not have their musical career I don't know and that it was all kind of coming down around her that's how I that's how I interpret that interesting yeah so I but I love that I didn't realize I never thought about it obviously but just that that song that is so it's like the song that you know of hers if you know any of her songs you know that fucking song everyone's covered it everyone sings it to themselves when they're sad in bed like everybody sings at a karaoke and she wrote it so early on when she didn't even really have like they had a bit of a career obviously but they weren't like famous yet but you know what? That that's probably a testament to like her the how genuine it was when it was written. You know, right. she hadn't been corrupt by like fame or the media or other people's perspectives or other people's criticism. It was just all Stevie from the get go. Totally, it was just like very raw and innocent kind of of a song. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. It makes me love it even more. Um, some other songs. So so Sarah. So this has never actually been confirmed, or at least maybe it was, and I didn't research long enough, but I couldn't find anything confirming it either way. So there is some speculation that that her good friend Sarah, who ended up, who Mick Fleetwood ended up leaving his wife for, there's some indication that maybe that was written about her. That's what Mick Fleetwood speculates in his 2014 autobiography. But like, of course, because men want everything to be about them, he would. Um, but dude. Stevie fucking Nicks was fucking like everybody in the Eagles. Oh, well, she was fucking everybody, everybody. But like the Eagles were like her. There was some. I don't know. If, I don't know what it was. If it was just like again low hanging fruit. She's like, well, they're all at the same party, so like I'll just go to the next one. But she was fucking Joe Walsh for a long time. She was fucking I forget the name, but one of the songwriters for the Eagles, and she was fucking Don Henley. And she got pregnant by Don Henley and ended up getting an abortion, which she has talked about very publicly. And she has claimed that she hasn't said whether or not that's what that song is about. But she said if she had had that daughter, if her and Don Henley had got married and had that kid, she would have named her Sarah. Oh, wow. So it hasn't been confirmed. Could be about that friend of hers. Could also be about her maybe baby with Don Henley of the Eagles. Wow. Also, like... Ugh, the Eagles. I don't know, guys. Like, I wouldn't... Let me stop. I used to love the Eagles so much, but now that I'm older, I just feel it's so dad rock. 
It is very dad rock. But during that time, they were probably, what, 20? I would have been all over that. Oh, my God. Same. (laughs) Realistically, I would have been all over that when they were, like, 40. Because, you know. um, Okay, another two more songs I want to talk about. There's so many. But there's two. So the song Gypsy, which many of us know. Yep. Um, and you know, song opens with so I'm so I'm back to the velvet underground, mm-hmm. the velvet underground, back I, to the gypsy. Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that's a store or it was a store. I don't know if it still is in San Francisco. What? Yeah, like a boutique. Like what kind of store? Like a boutique, like the kind of store that sells the kind of clothes that Stevie Nicks wears. That kind of store. And we uh, didn't go there once the entire time we lived in San Francisco. I'm going to have to Google it. You should Google it while I'm talking okay. to find out if it's still there. But like Joplin shopped there. It was like where the hippie chicks went. So that song Gypsy is like partially written about her just like going to get her life at the store. <laughs> going on a motherfucking shopping spree at the Velvet Underground. So, so. there is a gypsy streetwear on Hate, which she for sure was hanging out in the Hate. But no Velvet Underground? Uh, oh, is that what it was called? Velvet yeah, Underground? Yeah, no, the name of the store oh. was the Velvet Underground. Yeah. Okay. I thought you had said it was gypsy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, there's well, there's one in Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, I don't think the I don't think the one in SF is still around anymore. I bet you it's the same. I bet you the one in Santa Cruz is affiliated though. Probably. Um, you know she was hanging out in Santa Cruz at some point, especially if she was going to San Jose State. That's like right up to seventeen. Anyway, yeah. Um. So that's Gypsy. And then the other one, this is kind of a sad one. Sorry, guys. The song, do you know her song? Very sad. It was also in American Horror Story Coven. Has anybody ever written anything for you? No. Yeah. Um, it's a very slow, beautiful, sad piano song. And Joe Walsh, who was the guitarist, one of the guitarists for the Eagles, he they were together for like three years, and she counts him as one of the great loves of her life, which is interesting. Um, but he one day took her on this on this ride, and if you if you YouTube her, I think it's her unplugged version of the song, she opens telling this story, and it's definitely worth watching. But he's taken her on a ride somewhere. I think she's going through like a hard phase in her life and he's trying to like help her clear her mind and he takes her to this statue and long story short it's basically a commemorative statue to his dead daughter who passed away when she was just a child and she was so like Stevie Nicks was just so overwhelmed and touched by this that she got home and went straight to her piano and just wrote that song in like 45 minutes which is something I read a lot about her she'd be like and then i just went home and then like took an hour and wrote a song or there was in the rolling stone interview i was reading of her she was like i had three weeks and i was like do i have time to record an album in three weeks and then i said yeah and then i recorded an album in three weeks i'm like damn girl get your shit done very very productive woman um a couple of other things before i finish up on her um like I said, I just, I think it's really interesting how, like, to this day, she counts Lindsay Buckingham. Like, she's still writing songs about him. I think that's so wild. And, like, kind of beautiful. Like, romantic songs or, like, just inspired songs? I don't know because I don't know which specific songs she's written about him. But, which I was thinking, I was like, I can make this a whole side episode. Just, like, go 
to every song Stevie Nicks has ever written what it's about. Um, but or that's a good idea for a podcast, guys. Somebody should do that. Um, I, I don't know. Like she said in a, in one of her more recent albums, I think it was 2011, 13 or something. She mentions in a Rolling Stones article that half the songs on the album are written about him. Like, that's so wild. Yeah, you know, maybe he was just like. He was probably, like, the best friend that was in love with her, and she loved him, but, like, not that much. <laughs> but he was, like, the greatest, you know, gift that she's ever had. Yeah, I think also it's kind of, like, in the same way that people will often love their ex-spouses, even though they're not together, because they, like, have a child together, and yeah. that's just, like, this beautiful thing they made together. I mean, like, they made a career together. Um, and But I love that. I love that that's... That it wasn't a child. Like, that they yeah. do have this thing that they created together that was really beautiful and that bonded them, and it was a creative pursuit. I just, I love that. That is really cool. Um, and what? Oh, the other thing I wanted to share, because it, girl, it inspired me. I swear to God, I'm going to start doing this today. She, since they joined Fleetwood Mac, she has consistently journaled virtually every single day of her life. Wow. And she talks about how, um, so she talks very openly about the fact that she's deliberately never had kids. Obviously, like, she's gotten pregnant and didn't have them. And um, she had, but she has, like, a lot of God, God daughters. And she's like, I think of my journals as being, like, this thing that I can leave behind. They can, like, read what my fairy tale was. And I was just like, girl, I need to start doing that. Also, the other woman I was researching, who I will not mention yet in this episode, I she also a big journaler and i'm like i should do that yeah i've been on the journal kick for like three weeks now and it's going really well for me really yeah but i don't it's not like a dear diary type of thing i only do it when i feel drawn to do it yeah um but it's it's been helping me a lot in my releasing of things that need to be released totally i think that I used to journal a lot. And honestly, I think part of what killed that was social media. Because you just started writing things there? Yeah. And I think that I want to stop. I think I want to go back to journaling. I actually, at one point in my life, my cousin and I shared a journal. We would mail it back and forth to each other. Really? Yeah, and that was really cool. And I highly recommend anybody who's listening do that. It's just like a really cool way to stay connected to someone who's far away. Um, and it's kind of a treat because you read all, like, you just read all of their stories at once over time. Um, it's really cool. Highly recommend anybody do that. I like that idea. Yeah. So I feel very inspired by her to start journaling. Um, but that's Stevie Nicks. She fucked everybody in the rock scene. Um, she did a lot of cocaine and clonopin, but she's clean now. Incredibly prolific and productive songwriter. Um... I love the fact, again, that she... I don't know why I'm really big on this right now. Probably because I'm old and I want to believe that my life is going to be successful eventually. I'm really big on people who weren't... Like, got their success in their 30s. I mean, she they were already kind of getting it in their late 20s, to be fair. Um, but, you know, I just... I feel like nowadays we have this emphasis on, like, you have to have everything figured out by, like, 22. I feel like that's a thing in our culture. I'm like, what are you talking... Like, all you have to figure out at 22 is how to get into the bar without getting kicked out. Like, that's your... That is your mission. How to not lose your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> Live your life, guys. Anyway. 
Um, That's Stevie Nicks. I love it. I'm so happy that you covered her. I mean, it was bound to happen, and I'm stoked. Um, I am a little bit torn in terms of her sign. Okay. I have an immediate thought. Like, as I've been... As you've been, like, going on about her, I there was one sign that just, I can't, I can't stop thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to throw it out there and say it. Okay. But if it's wrong, don't tell me the right one yet. Okay. Is she a cancer? No. Fuck. <laughs> I'm like, it's hard because I feel like I still don't know... A lot about Stevie and her personality type. So here's, um, I think that's fair. And again, it's one of those, there's so much to cover. I would love to do like an in-depth episode on on her some other time. But she's someone, partnership obviously is huge for her. Like having her other, like her twin flame thing, like Lindsay Buckingham, that was like twin flame shit. So that's something you know about her. You also know she's like a communicator and very expressive because she's a singer and a songwriter and she wanted to be an English teacher. Okay, well then my next question is Virgo. No, but you're close in a particular way. It. I, do you want more hints? Yeah. Uh, oh, is she a Pisces? No, but that was going to be my first guess. Um, she's also ruled by Mercury. Well, just, then she's a Gemini. Yeah, I just told you. <laughs> I would not. She's a May Gemini, though. Who, and I do feel like they are a little bit different than us June Geminis. I feel like they're not as crazy as we are. Um, so I would not have. Honestly, like that would not have been my first guess for her. I would have guessed a water sign, too. Okay, well, then the other thing that I need to mention is that so far, all the way up to episode four, which means we've now covered eight women, we haven't done one water sign. Is that weird? Is that No, you're right. And you know what? My... Oh, wait. I'm going to give it away. Well, whatever. Yeah, no, you're right. We haven't. Super strange to me. Because we're... You know why? Because both of us hate feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the only reason I picked cancer was, one, I realized we haven't done any water signs, and I'm like, eventually a water sign's going to have to come up. Two, just the fact that, like, her style of writing, her music type, um, and her, like, cocaine problem, like, you know, cancers can are emotional, and they can go through a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like Stevie's probably lived that type of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of like a a bold guess. But I didn't really think she was, but I kind of wanted her to be. I want to look up her rising sign. Let's do it right now. Let's do it. Um, we also haven't covered a lot of earth signs either. We've basically only done fire and air. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that's all about. That's. I think those are just very public-facing people. Yeah. I think that's part true. of it, honestly. They're like the outgoing, look-at-me-look-at-me look at me types. Hi. Um, <laughs> her ascendant is Aries. Huh. Strange. I know, you guys. I just feel like she has to have water in her chart. I don't know why. But maybe not. That's how I feel, too. But maybe not. I mean, again, she's someone who, like, 
I mean, she's not someone who's like highly dependent on romance. I think she's had a lot of it, but she's not a wife. She doesn't want kids. Like, I think those are all very watery activities. Yeah. Or it's all true. or it's all bullshit, guys. Oh, there's that too. <laughs> um. Cool. That's a wrap on my end. That's now, a wrap. What, do we want to? I know. I don't know if you would have prepped for this, but do we want to keep going with that idea of talking about a woman who has inspired us? Oh recently, shit! Like within the last week or so. Um. Yeah, I actually have somebody. Okay, do you want to go? Uh, are we throwing out names? I'm not for mine, just because I don't want to... I didn't ask her permission. Yeah, but I, I, this I feel like... Came, this just came to me right now, so clearly I've not asked anyone permission about anything. Well, then just keep it vague, but tell okay. us why. Okay, so recently... Um, well, a good friend of mine that I work with, she has been in this like off-and-on, gray zone, vague relationship with a guy who um she's recently broken things off with because he isn't giving her what she wants um but I think it was a really hard decision to make and she did it because it's what was best for her and for her future and since that's happened she is slowly making changes to better other parts of her life um she actually just uh, opened up to me recently and asked if i would help her sort of kickstart her fitness journey and so mm. once a week we are doing personal training sessions at the park by her house and yes um we are talking about nutrition and food and all that sort and she told me that she just feels fucking incredible now that's awesome every single like just everything's kind of making full circle and coming together and even though we only do these sessions once a week the next day she feels just like a million dollars that's when did she uh when did she ditch the dune uh probably like i don't know maybe three or four weeks ago and then it was like a week after that that she reached out to me about the the fitness yes queen i have a random question yes is she a libra she is okay because my my and this is a good lead into my story so my tarot video for april for libras was like they there was a partnership that was just ending and it was either a business partnership or or a romantic partnership (laughs) how crazy is that so i sent it to someone i work with i won't say any more than that and uh similarly inspired by this person she's been she's been dating i don't know him particularly well but what i do know about him he's just like a piece of shit and she's been talking about leaving this guy for a really long time they live together he owns a house and she lives in it and i don't know what happened but the holy spirit came upon her and she decided that she needed to not only break up with him but needed to move out of his house immediately without giving him any warning so earlier last week when he was at work she went in with like five of her girlfriends and literally moved herself out of that house within three hours wow which is like part of me loves and hates like in general i would normally say like you should not be afraid of confrontation however it was one of those things i think where if he like he would have tried to talk her out of it you know like it was just not worth them even having the conversation because the conversation had been had so many times but he's just a piece of trash and so he literally just came home to his girlfriend having moved out wow and i fucking love that 
That is so funny. That is so funny that we have, you did the tarot spread that basically predicted this, and we have two Libras that are literally going through this. The tarot doesn't lie, dude. That's so nuts. All right. So is that it for us? That's it. Until next time. Until next time. Cheers to my sisters. Cheers. Bye. Bye.